So we would offer that a real, desirable, authentic relationship of any sort is one wherein we are sacrificing ourselves for the good of the other person. Meaning, we are asking ourselves in a rational, conscious, conscientious way, what is good for this individual that is in my life and that I am dealing with? What is good for them? And what is good for the person? We start obviously with the physical. What's good for the physical well-being of the person? It's good for me to not maybe punch this person in the face. Maybe, maybe it's good that we do. It's good for the person to have food, to have water, to have shelter. But then what's, what's good in terms of this person's development, in terms of this person's moral and intellectual growth and journey toward humanhood, away from animalhood, we ask, what is good for this person? And then we sacrifice our own desires, our own self-will in favor of doing that which is good for the other person. We would say that is a real relationship. Or should we say that's the first step to a real relationship because a relationship is reciprocal. That person would then have to reciprocate at least to some extent. But one person has to start. If nobody starts, if every, if each person is waiting for the other person to do it, then chances are the relationship will never start as it never usually does. I don't want to be a sucker. I don't want to just do something for somebody. What if they don't do something back for me? What do I get out of it? And that's how it goes. And the other person thinks the same thing. So we don't want that. We want to be able to have the emotional vulnerability, excuse me, and range of motion to put ourselves out there, so to speak, and to be the first one to do something selfless for somebody else. If that person reciprocate, reciprocate, excuse me, great. And then we have the beginnings of relationship. If they don't, we shouldn't then say, ah, I knew it. I just, I'm such a sucker. Why did I do something good for somebody? That's perfectly fine. We still have attained a great thing. We have worked on ourselves, on our selflessness, on our character, on our humanity. And chances are we've also benefited the other person, even if the, if they didn't have the emotional range of motion at that time to reciprocate. They still saw uh, how we acted toward them and hopefully that'll be a bit of light in their life where they eventually will themselves be able to initiate a real human relationship so either way we're not that we're, we're not bums if we do that and we don't lose out so that we should do that we should take that first step so to get a little bit more into it so we say that uh we have to grant the reality of other people and that people exist for themselves in their own self. And yet each person comes across to us in a particular capacity. One person based on the position of their body, uh, presumably to ours, frankly, right? If Is that correct? Let's say so a person's body is walking down the street and, and we're driving. We're saying that's a pedestrian relative to me driving. If a person's body is driving us in a taxi cab, we say that person is a taxi cab driver relative to me. If we came out of a person's body, we say that person is my mother. At least biologically speaking, if a person's body was that uh, the one that uh, uh, facilitated the person taking care of us over a long period of time, even if we didn't come out of it, we say that's my adoptive mother. Uh, we see a person's body is in a position, um, what other position, also came out of the same body that we came out. That's my brother or sister. So we see that our relations seem to be at least initially determined by these physical positions of the body. And yet we would say the body is animated, so to speak, by a real person, by a real principle of individuality that is not synonymous with the body itself. Right? So what we, for in order to have a real human relationship, excuse me, we have to apprehend that principle of individuality. We have to know who it is that we're dealing with. And as it concerns that who, 
The interesting question is how much has the person matured and developed toward being a human being? Meaning, what makes a baby a baby is because it's a baby. Mentally, emotionally. That's what makes the baby a baby. A three-year-old is a three-year-old. Mentally, emotionally. A 10-year-old, a 10-year-old. A 20-year-old, a 20-year-old. In theory. But after a certain age, obviously, most of us stop growing. So some of us have the emotional age of... A seven-year-old, whereas our body might be 70 years old. Somebody else of us has the the intellectual age of an 11-year-old. Our body might be that of a 100-year-old. So we want to find out what is the emotional age of the person. What is the intellectual age of the person? What is the degree to which a person has overcome their selfishness, expanded their mind and their sense of self to encompass that which is beyond and above their narrow animalism? That's what we want to find out. When we find that out, we can ask ourselves, what can I do to facilitate this person's development? Maybe they're a baby. The most I can do for them is, is put a blanket on them, is give them something to eat. Maybe they're a three-year-old. I can play with them. They're a 30-year-old. Maybe I can share an idea with them. Maybe I can treat them kindly in a short interaction. For example, I'm checking out at the supermarket. I'm checking them out or I'm being checked out by them. I can do something. I can say something nice for the person. I can really treat their possessions with care in this situation and show some respect and elevate the person. Right? We see humanity and that humanizes us. We feel a little bit more open. Most of us, some of us, we're off the deep end, but most of us, we feel a little bit more free to be human, to be kind, to be like our truer, deeper selves when we encounter that in others. And when we see something aggressive, we see something violent, we see something rude, we turtle up, we shell up, we have our emotional defense mechanism. So even in little interactions, we're rude to a person, boom, that creates that phase or begins that chain in the person of of, um, emotional defensiveness. So now the person goes home to their spouse, they're still in that frame of mind. It's, it's a cold, dark world. It's a dog-eats-dog world, and now I'm gonna, that's going to transfer over to my family in all likelihood, especially if I'm kind of uh, going on, uh, on uh, auto, I'm in auto mode somewhat, which most of us unfortunately are. Now my family also is exposed to that. Now they're going to be like that. Now they're going to treat somebody else like that. So we see that uh, we're not going to claim these... Uh, extreme quote-unquote butterfly effects the butterfly flaps its wings and there's uh what is it an eruption however this the saying goes somewhere we don't know that these are complicated questions of cause and effect but common sense says that we can have a lot of influence on ourselves and on our environment now why should we be interested in that so again it's a question of what world do we want to live in we if we want to live in a dog eats dog world if we want to live in an animal brutal world we, then okay, we, we shouldn't care. But the problem is, of course, that we cannot truly attain our good. For a short period of time, we're the top top dog. Maybe we're in the cartel, we're in the mafia, and we temporarily have secured the block. We've secured the area. We have the most uh, guys and girls to get our backs. We have the best weapons. So for a short period of time, we are prospering in an animalistic world, but then somebody comes to get us and that's it, or our power goes away. And that's it. So ultimately, our true good lies in our humanity. It lies in the whole. It lies in our relationships with others and in the kind of world that we live in. So you think, why should I care about uh, the, 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 the levels of anybody else around me? Right? Why? So let's see, how would we be? How would we be able to be by ourselves? We would never have language. We would never have concepts. We would never have ideas, at least initially. Later, we can take those benefits and run away to the forest somewhere and be a hermit, live in a cave or in a cabin, fine. But initially, we would have never gotten there without other people. So we see that our good is intrinsically, inherently tied in with that of others and others with that of us. It's a unified whole within which we 
play some or another part. So consequently, it really makes all the sense in the world. It's not just that uh, nice, what's the word, euphemisms or nice little statements. Oh, yeah, be nice and it'll start a chain, you know, a smile, be kind and then pass it on. This nonsense. We don't need these empty terms, but it's a real hard literal thing that uh, most of us are unconscious. We respond automatically to the way that people treat us, to the interactions that that, uh, we have. And consequently, if one of us can have a little bit of maturity to start that chain of more positive interactions, we can really create a genuine ripple effect, which is our world. It's our reality. We are in it. That's our good. And it's good as ours. One in many and many in all, to use a some metaphorical statement, I'm right? That's the idea. We want to be acknowledging the reality of those around us. We want to be reaching out to others and being the first one to be kind. And uh, and we want to be thinking about what we can do to further each and every relationship that, that we have. Uh, and uh, which necessitates um, that uh, we sacrifice our desires, as we mentioned at the beginning, we sacrifice our conception of what's good for us. What's good for me is to treat this person in this way. But what's good for that person is something else. And it's obviously in reality, the good cannot conflict. The real good of me and you and you and me is one and the same. Having said that, the perceived goods can conflict. For example, a person's a thief, a robber. Uh, a person is not really a thief and a robber. A person is a person who has stolen, who has robbed. Now, what would be good for that person is to make amends, is to be punished for their act. So consequently, they can get back on the road of righteousness and rectitude to so say. But the person, obviously, in all likelihood, does not perceive it that way. Otherwise, he or she wouldn't be a thief. Get it? Because that, that would require honesty. An honest person slips up and says, my bad, let me take the punishment. What's the consequence? Maybe I'll turn myself in to the person who I hurt or to the authorities or whatnot. I'll sue myself. I'll give back the money myself. I'll, uh, I'll pay, re- uh, what's the, the word, restitution or something myself. I'll make amends myself because I understand that's truly good for me. But most of us uh, or many of us are not so honest. So we slip up and instantly we think that our good is to get away, is to not be punished, to steal the cookie without anybody yelling at us from the cookie jar, all this kind of stuff. So here we uh, it, that extends obviously to our relationships where we think what's good for me is to impose my will on the other person, is to have this person flatter me, to make them to uh, make them make me feel good said that right them to to have them satisfy my desires they exist for the satisfaction of my desires i say that's not true and that's not our true interest (laughs) and we degrade ourselves when we think like that but that's how we perceive it in order to perceive it differently we have to begin to sacrifice all that nonsense we have to begin to burn it in the flames and do things exclusively for the good of the other person, no matter how much it initially hurts. For example, somebody is rude to us. It, the, our perceived interest is to be rude back to them because that's a more dignifying thing as it would appear. You stepped on my toes. Well, shoot, I'm going to rip your toes off completely. You took my shirt. I'm going to take your coat. You took a dollar from me. I'll take a million dollars from you. You slapped me. I'll kill you. You insulted my mother. I'll kill your mother. We shouldn't joke about that. But, uh, but, but um that's the idea. That's our normal frame of mind. But obviously, the real good for us, if we want anything other than the vulgar, low animal state of being, is to forgive the person, to literally, if sometimes, or figuratively, sometimes literally, turn the other cheek, to, to literally, frequently give the coat when somebody's taken our shirt, to, uh, to, to, if somebody insults us, to, to not say anything back. That's the real good. But the perceived interest is yet yeah, to do these things. So we would have to sacrifice that and ask, what is good for the other person? What's good for the other person is to be. 
treated with kindness and empathy, being that they are sick in the head to be able to treat other people like this. If somebody insulted me, wow, let me see. Maybe I can say something very nice to them. Maybe I know them. I can send them a great book that they can read to improve themselves. Maybe I can... Um, I can say, you're right. I can humble myself. So we're thinking, what is the good of the other person? It may not appear to us as our good in the time being, but really it is our good. Right? But it's just, we don't say it that way at first, but we keep doing that. We sacrifice our perceived narrow interest for the good of the other person. Eventually, we'll see the good of the other person as our good. We'll see, wow, I turned the other cheek. That's not only good for the other person, it's good for me. I gave away my coat when they stole my shirt. That's not only good for that person, it's good for me. I humbled myself when somebody insulted me and said, you're right. The only reason you're not insulting me more is because you don't know more bad stuff about me. Now it's good for me as well. Not only for the other person, but to get to that point, first we have to be tough and we have to deal with the pain of thinking that we have acted against our own interest and favored somebody else and being a sucker, as we say, right? I'm a, I, I can't believe that uh, the other person got the advantage of me, all this kind of stuff. First, we have to perceive it that way. And eventually we can perceive it as that the good is one and the same for every one of us. That's the idea. We sacrifice for our relationships. We don't impose ourselves in them. And eventually it won't be a sacrifice. It'll be uh, 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 something that we are looking forward to. All right. So let's think about it. Thank you for listening.